Hey everybody, this is Pierre Quinn and you're listening to episode number 103 of the Leading Wild Grain podcast, where my mission is to help you live, learn, and lead with confidence. On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Grant Baldwin, the founder of the Speaker Lab. And we have a great conversation about Grant's speaker journey, about his journey as an entrepreneur and what he is doing to serve the speaking community. Now, before we jump into a conversation with Grant, I just want to encourage you to check out my new book, Leading While Scared. You can find that on my website, prcquinn.com slash scared. Now, recently we had the second stop on the Find Your Courage tour. We were in the Baltimore area and we had a great conversation with the group there as we talked about facing our fears And what are some of the things that we can leverage so that we can lead with confidence? And I want to encourage you to check out PRCQuinn.com slash courage tour. Our next tour stop will be in Orlando in January. So be sure to watch out for tickets to join me and a group of my friends in Orlando in January for the Find Your Courage tour. Okay, my guest today is Grant Baldwin. Grant is the founder of The Speaker Lab a training company that helps speakers learn how to find and book speaking gigs through his popular podcast, the speaker lab and flagship coaching program booked and paid to speak. He has coached and worked with thousands of speakers as a keynote speaker. Grant has delivered nearly 1000 presentations to over half a million people in 47 States and has keynoted events for audiences as large as 13,000. Grant's work has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and the Huffington Post. Here's my conversation with Grant Baldwin. Grant, thanks for joining me today on this episode of the podcast. Thanks, man. Appreciate you letting me hang out with you. So before we dive into your new book, which I'm really excited about and getting ready to pre-order, Take us back. Take us back in your your speaker journey. I mean, you you're living now is helping speakers find their message and and create an income. But how did the speaking journey start for you? Yeah, if we go way back in time, uh, I was really involved in my local church when I was in high school and my youth pastor really had a big impact in my life and was uh, one of my favorite speakers, phenomenal speaker, still a a great dude. And uh, so for a long time, like that just had a big impact on me. I was like, I want to do that. Like that seemed really, really cool. And so that was kind of the, the track I was on. So I went to uh, Bible college. Um, and then in fact, when I was in college, I worked for a guy who was a full-time speaker. So I kind of got to see a little bit behind the scenes for him, uh, helping with like, uh, booking some stuff and travel and logistics and details and contracts and all that stuff. And so just kind of got to see like, okay, this is an actual thing. Like this is a possible career path. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so after Bible college, I worked at a local church as a youth pastor. I had a lot of opportunities to speak and was speaking primarily to, to the students. But from time to time, um, the youth pastor would fill in and uh, on the weekend and I'd get to speak in big church. And uh, so really enjoyed it. Like I, I had a, a lot of opportunities to speak and felt like I was decent at it, wanted to do more of it and just had no idea what to do from there. And so um, one of the things that we, we talk a lot about today with our students is I felt like I had the potential but I needed the plan. I had the potential, but I needed the plan. And I think that's where a lot of the students that we work with today are at in that same kind of spot of, I had some speaking experience. I knew I was okay at it. I want to do more of it, 
no idea what to do from there. Uh, and so from there, I, I literally just tried to, to connect with any other speaker that I could, try to learn the business, and slowly over the next several years, uh, built to the point where I was doing 60 or 70 gigs a year uh, all over primarily the U.S. and loved it. It was great. It was uh, uh, able to really make a big impact in a, in a lot of people. And um, and then also for myself and for our family, it was it opened up a lot of doors and opportunities. And so ultimately, I uh, got to a point where I just had a lot of people who were asking me, Grant, I want to do that. I want to be a speaker, whether that's, you know, speak full time and do 60, 70, 100 gigs a year, or uh, I would love to do, you know, five gigs or 10 gigs. And I just don't know how to find those. Uh, and so we had a lot of people coming to us, figuring out how they could find and book gigs as well. And so we started just kind of teaching some of the processes and systems that we had learned. Uh, and that's basically what has evolved to where we are today. Um, so our, our training company is called The Speaker Lab. Uh, like you mentioned, we, we teach and train people how to find and book paid speaking gigs. Uh, and that's the core of, uh, of what we do. So let's, before we jump into a little bit more of what you do with the speaker lab, uh, as you were you know, very active in your church and then working with the speaker and trying to figure out what it looks like for you, uh, what were some of the moments where you kind of felt like, I don't even know if I want to do this speaking thing. Let me just yeah. you know, get a regular job. One of your phrases that you that I've stolen is like, you know, you got to eat and live indoors. So when yeah. did the, when did the pressure of eating and living indoors push you to the point where you were like thinking maybe I don't want to do this? Yeah, I don't. Um, so I'll, I'll give you this. I'll, let's I'll fast forward for a second. Um, I remember this was maybe a couple of years ago or so. And I was at this. I live in uh, Nashville, like you mentioned. And uh, I was at this entrepreneurial breakfast and there was a guy there who had been a um he'd been working at a job and then had had kind of a side hustle, nothing speaking related, but just kind of a side hustle. And, uh, he had just quit his job the week before this was his first time, the first week full time on his own thing. Uh, and so I remember asking, I was like, man, it's your, it's your first week. Congrats. Like, how do you feel? Mm -hmm. And he said, basically like, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. I'm scared. I'm thrilled. I'm overwhelmed. I'm all of the above, right? The huge gamut of emotions. And so I remember telling him, I was like, man, I've been I've been self-employed uh, for for 12, 13 years at this point, uh, and that never goes away. <laughs> so uh, all that to say, like early on in my career, I remember there, there, were, there were those times where uh, you just feel like, and, and I know you understand this from like a speaking perspective, like, you know, you do some gigs and you're like, man, I got it. I, I got this figured out. I've yeah. got it on lock and I'm making progress. I'm making uh, uh, booking gigs left and right. And then you might go a stretch and you not, may not book anything. And you're like, well, that was it. You know, I had a good run. That was fun. I got to go find a job or something. Uh, and so I don't know that um, like as an entrepreneur, as a leader in general, I don't know that those insecurities, those doubts, those fears, like ever fully go away. You know, they get a little quieter, they subside a little bit. You learn to manage them and deal with them a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But there were plenty of times where I found myself just like, what? Like, what am I doing? I'm chasing a dream, but I'm not making any progress or it's, you know, one step forward, two steps back type yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, and just felt like, why, why am I doing this? Maybe this isn't worth it. Or maybe I should be doing something else. Or maybe I should find, you know, just like you said, just some type of job or something else. And so again, I don't know that that ever fully goes away. And so being a leader and being an entrepreneur, like that's part of what you're signing up for. That's part of, that's part of the deal. Like it, 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 you're not, you know, even at this point where like I said, I've been self-employed for 13, 14 years or something at this point. Uh, and, and that's part of the trade-off. Like I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised just because we've had, uh, you know, we've been self-employed that long that it's going to continue forever. Uh, you're just, you're not guaranteed anything. So you got to continue to hustle. You got to continue to grind. You got to continue to, uh, make, build momentum and keep momentum in your business. And so that's just a, that's part of it. And it's, it's, it's tough, but at the same time that the, um, you know, the opportunity that we have to, to make an impact, to make a difference, to help people uh, is incredibly worthwhile and fulfilling. When did 
doing a podcast become like a major part of how you serve your audience? Because I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of years now, and you know you give a lot of value in that podcast. Tell us a little bit about it, and when did you figure out that this was going to be a big part of what you offer? Yeah, so I actually had another podcast before the current one. So the current one is is the Speaker Lab podcast. So it's it's designed to help speakers. Um, and so we we do an episode every single week. We've got you know at the time of this recording, 250, 260, 70, something like that uh, recording. So we've done you know several years worth of recordings on a on every single week. We've never missed an episode, never missed a week. And um, so prior to this one, I used to do another podcast uh, when I was doing a, quite a bit of speaking on my own. I was doing a lot of speaking around the topic of careers, helping people figure out what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so I did this podcast called How Did You Get Into That? Where we were interviewing people who had unique careers and just asking them, like, how did you get into that? So we interviewed um, a guy like a guy who designed, who worked for Nike and designed one of the Air Jordans or a guy who's considered one of the top Lego master builders in the world. And... Um, a guy who's an NBA mascot. So like those type of like random careers, you're like, how did you, how did you, how did you get into that? That's crazy. You know? So I did that for a while and I really enjoyed doing a podcast. I, uh, podcast, I listened to a lot of podcasts. So it's kind of my natural medium that I was into, that I was a part of, that I liked, uh, that I, that resonated with me. So I had that career podcast going for a while. And then I started doing some of the speaker training stuff. And as the speaker training stuff really started to take off, uh, I started doing more and more of that direction. Uh, so I decided to end the previous podcast and start the Speaker Lab podcast. And part of the point of it was um, uh, for a couple of reasons. One was uh, I had a lot of people who were, who were asking me the same questions, right? So the things like, you know, how much do I charge? Or what do I speak about? Or how do I find gigs? Or tell me about the college market or tell me about the church market or tell me whatever, right? Um, and so part of what I wanted to do was here, I can give you a quick, you know, two, three minute answer. Or what if I put together like a really meaty episode just on that topic, you know? Uh, and so that became a great resource for me long, long term, even to this day, when people ask specific questions, I'll give you my answer. Oh, by the way, here's, you know, go listen to episode 89 or episode 14 or episode 104, uh, where I go into that same topic, but a lot more in depth. Uh, so that's been really valuable. The other thing too, that I have found incredibly valuable about doing a podcast is the opportunity for networking. So there are plenty of people that I've been able to interview that uh, probably wouldn't have given me the time of day, not because they're a mean person, not just because not they're a jerk, they're just busy, right? Yeah. Uh, and so to, to sit down with them, to chat with them, to build some rapport and connection, uh, you know, even before we started recording, you and I were just chatting a little bit, um, you know, just talking a couple minutes about life, you know? Um, and so those opportunities have opened a lot of doors for just building relationships with people that I may not have had access to without having done the podcast. So podcast has absolutely provided a lot, a lot of value. And like you said, you, you know, you're someone who, uh, as an example, on the other end who, you know, you, you mentioned you'd listened to the, the podcast for a couple of years. Uh, and so you, uh, you know, you're familiar with us. It brings some brand recognition, some familiarity, some no like, and trust. Uh, if we put out, you know, a couple of hundred blog posts and you read every one of those, you're not going to build the same type of connection that you could by actually listening to my voice. And there's a lot of people who listen to the, the podcast and feel like, man, I know you. I feel like I, I know you. I know what you, you know, you mentioned, a, uh, here's a line I've heard you say before. Um, and so there's, there's that, that personal connection that's hard to duplicate um, outside of a, a podcast. So uh, yeah, the podcast has been really valuable in a, a lot of different ways. Now, having listened to your, your show for a couple of years, you talked about in, in several episodes, your desire to push or to pivot because as a speaker, 
you, you know, you didn't want to hop on a plane 50, 60 times a year. You wanted to be yeah. more accessible at home. Talk a little bit about why as entrepreneurs and as leaders, we need to be willing to, to shift, even if it doesn't look like how we thought it was going to look like in the beginning. But sometimes making that change is the best move for us. Yeah, I'll give you a couple thoughts here. One is to really kind of think through where it is that you're going and what you want life to look like, right? And then be able to kind of reverse engineer that. So, you know, if you said, man, I, so for me, for example, I want to be an amazing, like, I, I love being an entrepreneur. I love doing my own thing. You know, I love building a business. I love the people, our team and the people that we work with and people we get to serve and support. Uh, I love all of that. But primary to all of those things uh, is like it's really important to me to be a good husband and be a good father. And so I want to make sure that like those, like those things matter to me. So I want to make sure however we build the business, uh, that we're, we're not doing it at the detriment of those roles. So I want to think that through like, okay, let's keep, let's like, let's keep moving forward and let's keep building this as long as it doesn't affect that part of, of life, you know, and not just for me, for our team as well. So one of the things we, you know, you may have heard us talk about on the show, that uh, I talk about with our team all the time is that who you are is more important than what you do. Yeah. Who you are is more important than what you do. Meaning yeah. if you're a great employee, if you're a great team member, if you help us, but like you're a shell of a human being, like you drop the ball as a husband, as a wife, as a mom, as a dad, as a, as a son, daughter, friend, like if you're just a shell of a human being, like the, we've done a bad job. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make sure that we create an environment that, um, that promotes, you know, just that, uh, well-being and that health for not just again for myself, but for the whole team. Um, and so I've really been intentional about just thinking that through about, um, how to build a business that supports my life rather than, um, than, uh, like building this business and being like, well, you know, forget, forget my wife or forget my kids or forget my, you know, my role outside of that. Uh, and, and, you know, I just, that's just kind of, um, uh, the debris and the leftovers of they're going to get whatever uh, from whatever I put put into the business. So that was one thing I was really intentional about. The other thing that um, as it relates to kind of the, the pivot and shift in the business is, um, so I got to a point where I was doing about 70 gigs a year and wow. really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Um, it definitely required a lot of travel, but I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't, you know, it was, it was grueling. It was a grind, but it was, you know, part of what you signed up for. Uh, and so in order as a, as like purely as a speaker, in order to really make more, um, and, and increase your revenue or your impact, you either have to charge more or just do more gigs. Um, it's really what it comes down to, um, from again, purely a speaking standpoint. And so, um, uh, there was like in the market that I was in, I was kind of on the upper end of what I wanted to charge. I wasn't really interested in, in moving to a different market. Um, and I didn't necessarily want to be doing more gigs. I knew that 70 was a lot, um, that I was at the peak of what I wanted to be doing. Uh, and so I remember a great conversation I had with a, a, a speaker friend and mentor. Uh, and we talk about this a lot in the, this very story in the book. Um, but basically he said to me, said to me a couple of things. He said, um, he said, Grant, I think you are an entrepreneur who happens to be a good speaker. Uh, and so he basically said like, there's some people who like, they want to be a speaker and that's the only thing they want to do for the rest of their life. And not just for speaking, but like, there's people that, you know, that we both know who like, they're, um, they're amazing at, at pastoring or they're amazing at, um, uh, you know, being a chef, you know, or amazing at accounting. And they're like, I can't see myself doing anything else. That's what I want to do forever. And that's fine. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I have a lot of speaker friends. They've been in the industry for 20, 30, 40 years. That's all they want to ever do till the day they die. That's great. Uh, and he said, he said, and I thought it was just a, a good, you know, diagnosis for me, so to speak, that 
he's like, you're, you're good at speaking, but what you love is entrepreneurship. You love building a business. And, um, and so that, that was kind of an aha light bulb moment for me. The other thing he said that I think really helped, and I think this is valuable for, you know, listeners and viewers is that, um, he said, you want to regularly find things where the challenge exceeds the skill set. regularly find things where the challenge exceeds the skill set. And what it meant by that was when I first started speaking, the challenge exceeds the skill set, right? Meaning that uh, you get up on stage and you're like, man, I don't know what I'm doing and I hope this goes well, but it's probably going to bomb. And the challenge, you're just, you feel way over your head. And that's not, the, that's, again, that's not exclusive to just speaking. That's true with anything. You know, the, the first time, um, you know, you, again, you try, you try cooking or you try to learn a new skill or you try writing or you try to, you know, uh, play, play a sport or a game or whatever it may be. You're just, you're just not good at it because the skill set exceeds the challenge. But what happens is over time is it reverses, it flips Mm -hmm. where the, the skill set exceeds the challenge, meaning that, um, it's no, like it's easy for you. Right. Um, so whenever I speak it, I, in, I enjoy it. It's still a lot of fun, but it's easier for me today than it was several years ago. So it's not like, um, uh, you know, I can just coast, but, um, it's, there's not near the challenge that there was early on, uh, when I was speaking. So for me, what, so basically what he was saying was you have to regularly put yourself in those spots where the challenge exceeds the skill set, where you feel like you're a bit over your head, but in a healthy way. And so what he was kind of saying to me was like, you need to find a new mountain to climb. You feel like, you know, in, in no way do I feel like, okay, as a speaker, I've arrived. So I beat the game. Now let's just go find something else. But for you personally, like what's the challenge? What's the the thing that you want to do that just, again, that you're kind of working towards and building towards that, that is the quote unquote carrot in front of you that you're kind of chasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it felt like less and less was that speaking anymore and more and more about helping other speakers to do the same thing and building the training company around that. Uh, so that's kind of been the, the path that we've been on. So I think for anybody um, to really think through, like if you find yourself bored, if you find yourself going through the motions in your work, like what is like you want to put yourself in again in that situation or in that environment where the challenge exceeds the skill set, where you feel like I'm in over my head, mm-hmm. but in a good, comfortable, healthy way. Speaking of being in over your head, let's, let's talk about team development with the Speaker Lab. And having watched you for, for a couple of years, there was a time where you realized in terms of your capacity, you can only do so yeah. much. You need to give parts of the business away to people who can do it, quite frankly, in some areas much better than you can. And then going yep. through, you know, picking the right team, finding the right people and letting people become comfortable in their roles. Why is that so important as an entrepreneur uh, as a leader to, to build the right team. Yeah. Cause you just, you can't do everything. Like everyone has the same limitations. Everyone has the same capacity. There's only 24 hours in a day. I don't want to be working all of them. Uh, <laughs> I want to sleep. I want to eat. I want to hang out with my family. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I can't do it all. And so you just, you reach a, a limitation there. And so one of the things that you have to do as an entrepreneur and as a leader is you have to identify what are the things that only you can do? What are the things that you are the best at? And there's going to be other people that can, that can offload some of those other things. So in our business, um, you know, we get, um, uh, well over a hundred customer service emails every day, um, for, uh, existing students, for prospective students, for everything in between, uh, people just have questions about speaking or whatever. Uh, and I know that I can't answer every single one of those questions. So we have someone on the team that helps with that. We have someone on the team that helps on, on the tech side. So we have a lot of, um, tools and gadgets and widgets behind the scenes mm-hmm. that, uh, the, the making sure the toys all play nicely together and communicate properly and do what they're supposed to do. So when someone, you know, 
that joins our email list or someone joins a program or someone, you know, books a call or someone does whatever that all the other things that are supposed to happen are actually happening. Right. So I don't know how to do all that stuff in terms of the tech part of it. So someone else does. And so they're in the weeds on that and making sure those things run properly. Uh, so there's just, there's, there's, dozens and dozens and dozens of like little things that, that I can't, I can't do all those things. And it may not also be the best use of my time. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, whenever it comes to just building a team in general, I think it's easy to kind of overanalyze and overthink like, um, man, I, I, I don't know where to begin or I, I'm not sure I can't afford, you know, like full-time people. Like I felt like that early on. Um, and so you, you, you don't start by hiring a whole bunch of people. You know, you start by hiring maybe one that you need help with to do one specific thing. So I'll give you an example. When I started speaking, when I got up to about 25, 30 gigs or so is when I've hired someone to help me out, but I didn't need a full-time employee. I didn't, I couldn't afford that. And I didn't need that. I didn't have any enough for them to do. So what I hired uh, this gal to do was to help me on all like the, the logistics of, of any gig. So whenever I booked a gig, I basically would pass the baton to her and she would book the travel. She would work with the client on the, the contract and the invoice, uh, make sure that we got paid any details, logistics, where's grant supposed to be, when, what is he speaking about? Um, kind of that client, uh, relationship, client interaction, uh, experience. And so she did all of that. There's a bunch of steps before the event, during the event, after the event that she did to make sure that things just ran smoothly. And so you take that one event times, you know, 50, 60, 70 events, there's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of balls to juggle there that she kept up with. Um, and so basically what I did was I just paid her per event. We knew that each event basically had the same set of, of steps that needed to be done. Uh, and so rather than paying her like a, you know, a, a salary or retainer or hourly or anything like that, uh, we just said, Hey, for every event I do, I'm going to pay you a flat, you know, a hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks or whatever it was. Um, and that way it helped with, um, managing kind of the workflow and the workload. Mm -hmm. But it also helped from a cash flow standpoint because, uh, like for speakers, historically December is really slow. It's really dead. There's just there's not a lot of gigs going in. There's not a lot of revenue coming in, uh, and so therefore uh, she knew that when I'm busy as a speaker, you're going to be busy and you're going to make more. But when I'm slow and there's not much going on, I don't have anything for you to do. But I also don't have anything to pay you. So uh, it just helped from that standpoint. That and it also incentivized her because she knew like she got paid when I got paid. So uh, like whenever we would ask for deposits from clients for speaking gigs, uh, she knew like she was incentivized to get that deposit in because once the deposit in, she got paid. And whenever the final, and she wanted to make sure that uh, that client had a check for me at the event and it wasn't something we had to chase them down because again, she didn't get paid until I got paid. So it worked out well from that standpoint of, again, wasn't a full-time employee. Um, and it was something that, that, you know, we didn't have like a big salary, didn't have like all these benefits or anything else. It was just, here's this very specific thing that I need and setting it up in a way where she, you know, she could help me, um, accomplish those things that I needed. And then over time it kind of evolved, um, to adding different people or adding other roles or adding other responsibilities. And so today we're at a point where we've, you know, we've added several people to the team this year. We'll add several people to the team next year. Uh, and you just kind of evolve based on what you're looking for or the help that you need at that point. Um, so I think the, the biggest thing any leader can do is kind of just step back and evaluate, like what are the things that you have going on that you need help with that you need that, that someone else could potentially do that you don't necessarily have to be doing um, and start there instead of feeling like, you know, I got to hire all these full-time employees or I got to, I have to make this thing bigger than it, than it actually is. So I can work with what you've got and kind of improve as you go. Talk about the impact on your emotions and your stress level. When you, when you got to the point where you began to trust this person that was assisting you and then these weights started coming off because you, you found somebody that who can manage them for you. 
Yeah. I mean, it definitely like, um, there are pros and cons to it. Like if we fast forward to today, at this point in my, in, in our business, um, people is the best part and the most stressful part of (laughs) of what we do. Cause I know I can't do it all. And so, um, you know, so when, you know, we add someone new and we're training them or getting them up to speed or whenever someone leaves or whenever we have to let someone go, um, like all that stuff is just tough. It's really, really hard, but like, that's just, that's part of the game. Like that's part of it is knowing that I can't do it all. Uh, and so I have to learn to trust other people to, to do things that don't depend on just me. Um, and so it's just, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just part of it. Um, and so it is like, uh, the, I'd say the other part of it is there are, there are roles and responsibilities and, and plenty of things within our business today that, and even like, if I look back on like this one gal, I mentioned, uh, Lisa, there are all those like little, you know, detail oriented tasks and responsibilities. Like Lisa could, I'm a fairly organized person, but Lisa just, man, she made it look easy and she <laughs> could do those things way better than I could. So, um, so not only was I offloading it off my plate, but Lisa was like, man, this is awesome. I love doing this. This is fun. And so I didn't have to worry about it whenever I booked a gig and I would pass the baton to Lisa and I'd tell the client, um, Hey, this is Lisa. She's going to help you take you from here. Like I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to worry about it at all because I knew like she was going to do a great job, um, working with and providing a great service for that client. So, um, yeah, it can definitely, it can, in some ways it can add, it can remove a lot of the stress and pressure of, of trying to do it all and remove, um, some of those hats that you may be having to wear. And in other ways that, you know, it adds, it may add at time, um, depending on the, the nature of the person. Now, I know you packed tons of insight in your upcoming book, The Successful Speaker. Well, why was this the right time for you for you to write this book? Tell us about sort of the emergence of this idea. Yeah. And so uh, I've been in the, uh, like I mentioned, been in the speaking world for well over a decade now and uh, have definitely learned a lot about what works and what doesn't, how to build a business, how to teach other people how to do it as well. Uh, and so we had a bunch of people who were asking, you know, hey, you're going to do a book. I personally, I don't, I don't really enjoy writing. It's not my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I worked with um, uh, a friend to help, help uh, on this book and, and it came out really, really well. We're really, really happy with it. We didn't hold anything back. We, we basically tried to create, here's the guide I wish I had when I got started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we want it to be more of a, you know, you read um, page one through the end and you go do it all because it, it takes a minute to uh, implement and apply all of that. We want it to be a, a handbook that you can refer back to that, you know, there, there's some stuff, you'll read a couple chapters and you'll implement and you'll apply it. And then like, you know, you may book a gig a month or two later. Oh, wait, let's, I got to go back to that chapter about, you know, contracts or speaking fees or negotiating or whatever it may be. Um, okay, I'm getting ready to do the gig. Let's go back to that chapter on, you know, creating the talk or crafting a story or using humor or slides or whatever it may be. Uh, so we want it to be a, a guide for speakers at any level that they can continue to re- refer back to. So, um, yeah, the book is the, the successful speaker. Really, really um, uh, happy about it and how it came out and uh, how it'll be able to, to help benefit speakers in the future. You were talking earlier about, you know, working with people is like biggest joy, biggest challenge. What's it like working with Jeff Goins? Jeff's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a phenomenal guy. So he, um, we worked together on the project. Oh, we've been friends for uh, five, six years, something like that. Um, he's a great friend. Uh, and so we had, had been great friends for several years prior to this project. Uh, and so he was the one that kind of approached me on the book. He said, Hey, you, you have any interest in, in, um, in writing a book? And I was like, eh, not really. And he's like, what if we work together on it? Cause he is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal writer for those that yeah. know Jeff, he's published several books. Uh, and so he, uh, he was, he took basically all of our content 
He's like, man, you have hundreds of podcast episodes. You have lots of courses. You have lots of, of content and knowledge here uh, about the speaking world. Uh, let me help work with you on synthesizing it and putting it into a book format. And so it was a great process. It was a great synergy between both of us. Um, so I, I've told him numerous times since then. I was like, man, if I was going to do it all over, um, I would absolutely uh, do the project again with him. It was just a great experience. Now, there's some learning curve to, to writing a book and putting a project together. Uh, that you had to go down just to, just in the same way there's a learning curve to becoming becoming a speaker. And for a lot of people, they're disappointed when they figure out, oh, I can't just hang a sign out front or put on a website. I'm a speaker now and expect, you know, got gigs and opportunities uh, to just come flowing in. What are some of the things yeah. when you get that nudge or that push or that inspiration or divine call or whatever it is that you realize, OK, this is the world I'm supposed to step in? What are some maybe common mistakes that people just starting out with all the gusto and excitement start to make and trip over themselves and do? Yeah, yeah. Good question. So uh, basically in the book, we walk through what we call the speaker success roadmap. So this is a five-step process that makes the acronym SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K. And so the first step of the process is select a problem to solve. Get get really, really clear on who you speak to and what's the problem that you solve for them. So one mistake that we see a lot of speakers make is they're just not clear on that. They just like speaking. I I just want to speak. So, okay, cool. Who do you speak to? Like, well, you know, I speak to humans. I speak to people. It's like, well, that doesn't work, right? You got to be really clear on who you speak to. And the second part of the equation of, of uh, what do you speak about or what's the problem that you solve? Well, I can speak about anything. What do you want me to speak about? Like, again, that doesn't work. So trying to speak to everyone about anything is just a horrible, horrible um, plan. So you really want to make sure that you're clear on who you speak to and what's the problem that you solve. The second part of that is the P, prepare your talk. So, okay, I know who I speak to. I know what the problem is that I solve. Now let's put together the, the presentation, thinking through like, uh, how do you put together a talk? How do you deliver a talk? All that goes into that. Uh, the E is establish yourself as the expert. So this is where you dig into um, planting your, your flag in the ground, um, of, of letting people know like here, I'm the go-to person on this. Mm-hmm. And so your website, your demo video are two key marketing tools that you need for that. Uh, the A is acquire paid speaking gigs, acquire paid speaking gigs. Um, and I'll go ahead and fast forward to the K. We'll come back to the A. Then the K is know when to scale, know when to scale. So mm-hmm. for a lot of people, they're interested in speaking, but they're also interested in you know writing a book or doing a course or doing a podcast or doing a YouTube channel or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the point being like, you can do all those things to help people, to connect to people, to serve people can't do them all at once. Something is going to come first. Something's going to come last. We talk about how you take your speaking business and expand it beyond the stage. Now let's come back to the A. That was kind of your question of like, all right, how do you actually book gigs? And so for a lot of people, that's where they're at is, is, all right, I want to book gigs. What do I need to do? And so the, the biggest thing I would emphasize is you have to have, especially the S, the selected problem to solve. You have to have that piece really, really, really clear. Because when you're clear on who you speak to, what's the problem that, that you solve, then it actually becomes easier to find gigs. So we think of it um, counterintuitively, but the, the more narrow, the more focused, the more clear you are, the easier it is to find gigs versus if we, we think like, man, if you, you know, if you speak on anything and everything to everybody, then that opens up so many more opportunities, but that's just a horrible way to approach it. You don't, you don't want to do that. So one thing we tell speakers all the time is that you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet, be the steakhouse, mm. not the buffet. That's and what good. we mean by that is that, you know, if you and I were going to go to lunch today and we we're going to sit down, we were looking for a really good steak. Like you got a choice. You could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred things that they offer. Uh, and they're all probably mediocre 
Or you could go to a steakhouse where that's all they do. We don't do tacos. We don't do pizza. We don't do lasagna. We don't do, we don't do anything else, but we do steak really, really well. Uh, and that's how you want to position yourself as a speaker. I, I am the go-to authority on this versus I'm trying to be all these things for all these people. So the more clear you are, then actually, again, it becomes easier to be able to find and book gigs. Now, to your point, uh, speaking is very much a momentum business. Like it can, it can feel hard to get the ball rolling for someone who says, all right, I feel like I'm supposed to speak. I'm clear on who I speak to. I'm clear on what I, I want to talk about. Uh, I got my website. I got my video. And now I just sit back and wait for the phone to ring. That's probably not going to work, right? It's because uh, you have to you have to do something to get some of that momentum going. Yeah. Uh, and so the simplest gigs to book are those that are already looking for speakers. So uh, conferences, conventions, events, um, churches, schools. A lot of them are already looking for speakers for you know various events or functions that they may be having. So you're not trying to convince them to already have a speaker. They're already planning on having a speaker. You're just connecting with them and showing them why you're a good fit. So. Um, so that's kind of you know a big high level view of of kind of how to get started there and ultimately you know finding and booking gigs. So let let me push back on on what you were saying before about sort of niching down because I'm sure you've heard yeah. this before and they'll say people will say or I'll come to you and say Grant I know that works well for most people but you don't understand like yeah, yeah. I pastored for like seven years. So I'm really good in the church market. And then I taught college for 10 years. So I'm really good in the, in the collegiate market. And then I've done fundraising. So I'm really good in the nonprofit market. Uh, You know, I don't want to miss out on any of these. So why, why should I really niche down and pick one? If I think at least in my mind that I, that I'm good with all the audiences. No, I know. I mean, everyone think, thinks they're like the special snowflake that, man, everything you said doesn't apply to. I, so I get it. You know, so again, let's go back to the restaurant analogy, you know, yeah. so that it's the same thing of a chef saying, um, but I'm really good at cooking steak and I'm really good at making tacos and I'm really good at making lasagna. I'm really good at making a salad. I'm really good at making all those things. Like, awesome. Try making all those things and see how the restaurant does for you. Right. <laughs> um, versus just saying like, sure, you could do all those things, but there's something about focus and doubling down and saying like, no, no, I'm going to be the best at this. I could do all those other things. I'll give you another example. Okay. Let's imagine, let's imagine God forbid that, that, uh, you had to have brain surgery. All right. So you have a choice. You can go to a brain, a a brain surgeon where that's all they do day in and day out. That's their specialty. Mm -hmm. Or you could go to like your local family medical doctor and they are, you know, like they, they, they both went to medical school. Uh, they both have all the fancy letters before or after, after their name. They're both qualified as doctors, but they have very different skill sets because one is very, very specialized. Now, could the brain surgeon also probably help you if you have a cough or help you with um, a broken arm or help you, you know, uh, with some minor basic surgery? He probably could, right? Um, but by saying, no, 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 all I do is brain surgery and I'm the best at that, then not only are they are they they become the go-to expert and the go-to authority on that, they also probably can charge a premium for that yeah. because I'm the best at this versus trying to be the best at a whole bunch of things. Uh, and so really you just you just want to make sure that again, even if you are someone and, and you're no different than a lot of people who are in that same spot of mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm passionate about this, I'm good at that, I'm interested in this, I've got some experience here. All those that's all great. But if you try to be all those things for all those people, you're not going to get any traction. So pick one of them. Just pick one of them. So if you say, all right, let's just kind of compare some of the different options. I come from the church world. I've got some experience in the college world. I come from the fundraising space. Let's kind of compare pros and cons with each of them. And ultimately, let's pick, okay, I'm going to pick fundraising. Great. Like, let's just pick fundraising and, and go down that path for a minute. Now, if that means that, hey, I have an opportunity that that came up for me to speak in the church world and you want to do it, cool. That's fine. Um, 
but the core of your um, of your website, your video, your marketing materials, your outreach should be specifically around fundraising or whatever the, the topic is. And then let's say you get a year into it and you're like, I'm just not making the traction that I, I had hoped in fundraising. Uh, and so I'm, I want to pivot to, you know, I'm getting some more opportunities that are popping up with college. So I want to pivot there. Cool. Pivot there. That's fine. Uh, and kind of goes back to the, you know, pivot conversation we had earlier, yeah. but just trying to say like, all right, I'm going to, um, I'm going to try to speak on all these like, you know, semi-related or unrelated topics and think that I'm going to make any traction. Like there's just, you're just fooling yourself. Like you're not going to get anywhere with, by doing that. You, you talked about how a specialist can, can charge more, can charge a premium price. And for people who are entering into the speaking world price, how much money do I make is, a, is yeah. one of the key questions, but there's also this notion or the school of thought that, you know, how do we go from free to fee? Like, should we out of the gate, mm-hmm you know, be free and build our reputation and get those recommendation letters? Or should we charge a nominal fee up front so that we establish ourselves? How do we, how do we navigate that conversation? Yeah. So I'll give you a couple of thoughts here. Um, as it relates to fee, a lot of times people ask me, you know, like how much should I charge? You know, and the, uh, the honest answer is it depends, which is a horrible cop-out answer. I know that. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, as a quick side note, we put together a uh, a free speaking fee calculator. Um, have you messed with it at all? Have you Absolutely. seen that? Absolutely. Um, and so basically you answer six or seven questions and it tells you what you should be charging as a speaker. Because it depends uh, on your experience. It depends on your industry. You can charge more in some markets versus other markets. Uh, so there's a few variables that go into it. But it's a totally free calculator. You can, again, go to uh, myspeakerfee.com, myspeakerfee.com uh, and, and check that out. Now, as far as the, the question about, you know, should you speak for free... Um, uh, what we always say is that, that, that speaking for free, I think can have a misconception or, um, uh, uh people think it's a, it's a, always a bad thing. Like you should never speak for free. And I disagree with that. Uh, I think you, you can speak for free as long as you know why you're doing it. Don't just speak for free all the time out of the goodness of your heart. Part of the shift you have to make is, especially if you want to be speaking long-term and you want to be speaking a lot, and this is part of your business, is you have to take off the, I just want to speak because I'm a good person hat and put on the, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm running a business hat. And so therefore, if you, is no different than any other business. So if you say, man, I'm, I'm making a, I'm starting a bakery as I'm baking cupcakes, you can't, can't give away all your cupcakes. You may give away some of them just right. to get get the word out and get the ball rolling. But if you give away all your cupcakes, you're going to be out of business. You just speak for free constantly. You're going to be out of business. So the key though, is again, to know why you're doing it. So I'll give an example. There are some speakers who speak um, for free and they do it as lead gen for other parts of their business. Mm -hmm. So there's a speaker that we worked with in one of our programs who, um, he, he speaks for free, speaks for free 40, 50 times a year, but he does it as lead gen for, he does a lot of life coaching, uh, his life coaching business. He generates over $300,000 in revenue from life coaching, but all he does is speak for free as lead gen for that. So on paper, you're like, Oh dude, you just, all you do is speak for free. That's how you making any money. But he, he uses that as lead gen for other parts of the business. You may want to speak for free for, um, for building credibility and authority in your space or industry. One of your best marketing tools is, a great talk. So uh, if someone sees you speak for free, or not necessarily speak for free, but someone sees you speak and there's decision makers or event planners that are there, uh, there may be a good chance that they're like, I was awesome. Can you come do that for, you know, for our event? Uh, You may want to speak for free if you sell some type of product or service. So uh, if you have a book 
or some type of training program or coaching or consulting that you may want to offer on the back end. Um, the way that you become a better speaker is that you speak. And so maybe you just want to speak for free at something local or nearby just to get some of those reps, just to get better. So the, all that to say, like, there's a lot of reasons why it actually may make sense to speak for free. Um, but again, you just have to be clear on if you're going to speak for free, be clear on why you're doing it. I know we didn't have time to cover like all of your not your vast knowledge as it relates to the speaking industry and it relates to your journey. Why should we order a copy of your book? Why why is this one of the best tools that we could have as growing either speaking, having a speaking business or even using speaking to grow our business? Why should we invest in what you offer? Yeah. Great question. So I would say a couple of things. One is that speaking is one of those kind of, uh, for a lot of people, it's kind of this mysterious black box of how do you do it? You know, how do you get into it? And it feels like, um, there's all these, uh, maybe gatekeepers or, uh, there's all this kind of like, um, there's this wizard behind the curtain who's just running things. And so we wanted to just demystify, here's exactly what you need to do. Here's the step-by-step process that you need to take, uh, that the, the the opportunities for speakers are vast. And so there's no one speaker that can monopolize it all. So I want to share all the secrets, all the trade secrets, everything that you need to know to be successful as a speaker. Uh, so everything is in there. Um, and and for uh, all the work we put into it for a book that's, uh, I don't know, 20 bucks or 25 bucks or whatever it is, uh, that's a pretty insane value. Because uh, if we can help you book one gig out of it, that's worth you know several hundred or several thousand dollars. Uh, that's significantly more than pays for the book. Uh, the other thing I would say is, um, I recognize not everyone wants to necessarily be a full-time speaker. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I said, for me, for many years, I was doing 50, 60, 70 gigs a year. And some people may hear that and be like, yeah, let's do that. I want to do that. That sounds awesome. And other people might be like, I don't want to do that. You know, I got a full-time job or a full-time business or a full-time career. Um, you know, I've got a family. I just, I don't want to be gone that much, but I really like speaking and I would love to do more speaking. I'd love to speak, you know, five times a year, or three times a year, or seven or 10 times a year. Um, but I just don't know you know, how to get going or how to get started. Uh, and so the nice thing with speaking is there's no right or wrong amount. There's no right or wrong way that you, you have to do it this way. Um, and you have to do this many number, this number of gigs mm-hmm. in order to, you know, to, to be a speaker. Like that's just not the case. You can figure out what makes sense for you based on where you're at, your season of life, your stage of life, and kind of what you want to accomplish with speaking. So, uh, yeah. So for anyone interested in speaking, whether that's one gig a year or a hundred gigs a year, um, the successful speaker is the guide. It is the handbook that you need, uh, to find and book gigs. Now I know we have been focusing on your book, the successful speaker, but you, you offer a lot. So here's what I'm going to do. This is shameless plug time. Whatever you want to plug, whatever you want to talk about, I've I've purchased your digital products. I've watched your webinars. All your stuff is good. If you want to talk about it all or you just want to give us a snapshot on where to find you on social, all of that stuff, it, the time is yours. Have at it. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you letting me hang out with you. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, the big thing I say is just grab the book. Um, the book is is the tool that you need. You can find all the details about that uh, at thespeakerlab.com slash book, thespeakerlab.com slash book. Uh, I know people that listen to this show probably listen to other podcasts. So if you're looking for another podcast in the mix, I know we talked a little bit about ours. You've listened to quite a bit of it. Uh, we've got a big backlog there that people can check out. Uh, thespeakerlab.com slash podcast, thespeakerlab.com slash podcast, or search for the Speaker Lab podcast uh, wherever you listen to this one. So, uh, yeah, lots of free resources, lots of free tools there. And, uh, but definitely check out the book as well. My guest today has been Grant Baldwin. He is the author of the new book, The Successful Speaker. And he's a cool dude. Grant, thanks for being my guest today. It was a total honor. I appreciate it, man. 
Great conversation with Grant Baldwin about his new book, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. I want to encourage you to pre-order your copy of Grant's book so that as soon as it is released, you can get a copy in your hands. And I'll put all the links in the show notes so that you can make your purchase. Really appreciate Grant for sharing his story, for being transparent, and for what all he's doing to pour into the speaking community. Hey, that's all I got for this episode of the Leading While Green podcast. You know it's my mission to help you live, learn, and lead with confidence. So until next time, take care and God bless.